the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and much, much more. Let's not be shy. If you have any questions, please bring them on. I think it makes the show better when there is more of a conversation or some input from you so I know what's going on in your mind, if that makes any sense. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. That's the best way to get the ball rolling with me. Um, recession is probably the big word that a lot of people look at and gets fearful. Inflation is the word that I look at or I hear, and it makes me cringle. Not good, like that little spine up my back. So we are all motivated by different things. And the best thing you could do when it comes to investing is sometimes back off. I know that that's, that comes as very tough advice, but you can make yourself a little bit crazy and sometimes a little bit greedy. A few years ago, I told you, hey, look at Qualcomm. They're in a lawsuit with Apple. It'll eventually pass. And I think, you know, at $48, $50 a share, it's, a, it's an incredible steal. The only problem with that is I didn't know when the judge was going to, you know, write, settled on the lawsuit. I kind of knew that both of them would settle. I just didn't know when. If you get the drift where I'm picking it, that RV pick up what I'm putting down, it can be frustrating. So I bought the shares, and I waited patiently. And eventually Apple and Qualcomm settled their issue. Do I think Apple will work with them in the next five years? I think they're locked in for about four. And then it brings up a lot of question marks. And that's how I approach investing, question marks. I, I, I want the negatives, but I don't get too freaked out over them. Someone said... And I found this fascinating. I own shares of Apple. Someone said, do you think Apple, I should sell it? And I said, 10 years ago, there was an analyst who said, Apple's best days are behind it. So it's really going to be up to you. I held it during that 10-year period. Do I think they're going to have another good 10-year period? I do. I don't see this fortunes swinging for Samsung to be that positive. I've got a friend who just picked up a Samsung phone. He goes, ooh, I got a brand new Samsung phone. I'm like, yeah, good for you. I'm in the camp that I want to stay in my ecosystem. And even if the other ecosystem's better, I'm fine with that. Because I know my phone will work really well with my watch. My watch will work really well with something else, my AirPods. And a couple years ago, I learned why the AirPods were going to be successful. And I knew it before the market knew it. Because a lot of people had questions like, oh, people are going to lose those. They won't buy those. I'm like, yeah, they will. When uh, 
I was younger. I was dating someone who she had this this demand. She didn't want wires, and I scratched my head. I go wires, cords, what? She goes. Yeah. She wanted a Kindle because she didn't want books. Her refrigerator was filled with alcohol and not fresh food because she wanted her fresh food even fresher than something in her refrigerator. She wanted basically to go to a farm and eat or the next best thing, a farmer's market. I'm good with all that. She was the one who wanted the orange juice freshly squeezed. And if it by chance came out of a carton, breakfast was ruined. And I think that led to me going, ah, I get these wireless earbuds. So do I think they have a good 10 years? I do. Now, again, do I want you to get caught up in that? I don't. When you look at Apple and you say, well, they're worth $1.4 trillion. I was flummoxed. I was amazed when Apple cracked that $1 trillion or whatever was the first company, whether it be Amazon or Apple or Microsoft. The fact that we're starting to talk about trillion-dollar companies, it, it, it just blew my mind. And the way it went from literally seven hundred billion to one trillion to one point four trillion, boom! It, it does. But now, would I buy it again? And I would. Would I buy it today? I, I haven't. Because in my theory, you buy the best companies. Now, one point four trillion—it's tough. I don't know if you've ever dated a big person, but it's probably easier to see some go from four hundred pounds or the six hundred pound loser. To go to 300 pounds and 600 to go to 1200. It's, I get it, a law of big numbers. But so far, Apple has shown that they could figure this stuff out and tinker through it. It was pretty interesting at the 2020 Academy Awards that Jeff Bezos got roasted. The comedians wouldn't dare talk about the audience. Thing I don't like about that show is it's not about the performances. It's about patting themselves on the back. We're actors, and let's see who had the best acting. And then it's usually a movie about acting that wins, and not all that. Anyway, I digress. So the question is, <clears throat> would I buy Apple again? And the answer is, maybe. I still own it, so in theory, I would buy it again. Otherwise, if I didn't like it, I'd sell it. If I'm only holding it for tax consequences, people like CFP Chad Burton will tell you that's a big, big no-no. So, again, I asked the question, do I, would I own it? I would. But it's with the caveat that I no longer look at the, the trillion behind it. When there was the first $1 billion company on Wall Street, I'm sure people went home and said, gosh darn it, Nancy, I just don't know how that company could be worth that much money. And the first $10 million, you know, gosh darn it, Nancy Jr., I don't know how, and then that first hundred billion, first five hundred billion, we kind of lose our our big numbers, and it's really unfortunate because some of them are pretty important, like that you know debt in the United States. It just keeps racking up. It's 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 insane. Either our national debt, our consumer debt, our collegiate debt. I don't like it. Does something have to give? Yes. When I don't know. With low interest rates, it's far easier to support debt on the consumer or the, on the business or on the government level than it is when interest rates move higher. So we're kind of in a freaky-deaky kind of scenario. Low interest rates typically implies governments are trying to stimulate economies. 
high interest rates to typically imply that you know governments are trying to fight inflation or from things overheating leading to inflation i'm not saying that all correct but you get the idea so would i still buy it i probably would i think the investment lesson here is pretty clear and pretty simple what's the investment lesson buy great companies if you're gonna buy individual companies do i think that that's absurd like because i could probably say well take a look at tesla um They've got a, a unique CEO, but I'm not as in love with their product as much as I am with Apple's. Going back to the Apple versus Samsung, I could see myself getting something other than a Tesla, but I appreciate it. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. I couldn't figure out a good point to jump into that, that song. Do it! You kind of just got to jump in, right? Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. There's a lot of really good downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. A lot of what I try to do is just, I don't want to say keep you in the market because that's not my business. But to show you that by staying in the market, it can create wealth. And Wall Street is interesting in the sense that it gets demonized by politicians. And the basic concept of Wall Street is you giving money to a company to become an owner in it. Now, then you start getting the demographics. Well, how many men or how many women are doing this? And how many you know people of color are doing it? Is it easily accessible? And it is pretty easily accessible when you can get an app right now and do trading for free. Has it always been? No. Has a lot of the wealth that it's created been the top 1% or cliche of a a wealthy white family? A lot of the wealth has been the cliche. Is it going forward? I'm not. Um, You know, when I started investing 25, 30 years ago, I wasn't the cliche. I was, you know, delivering pizzas in college. So when I bought my first stock... And I did that after a car accident, getting a little bit of cash, $3,000. And I've done it ever since. You get the idea. Um, some of the things that stop you from being creating wealth, I'm, I'm trying to get is psychological. Like people don't even want to start. Some of it is people don't want to sacrifice. Most every single person I've ever worked with in media, I've worked for a lot of media companies. Now, I'm not terribly, terribly proud of that. But everyone I worked with in a group called Business Talk Radio, and I, I'm talking management, I'm talking salespeople, very few people ever had any savings. In television, I've got a producer that I used to work with on my show. I won't say a name because she's pretty recognizable. Um, I've known her for 20 years, and she saved maybe a total of about $14,000. She goes out every weekend. Uh, she sees a lot of bands in the Bay Area. She is in a band in the Bay Area herself. And it ain't cheap to go out. So 
but she has nothing saved. So that, to me, is the opposite end of someone who's saving for the wealth spectrum or who sees it. She doesn't see it. She doesn't get in 25 years or probably, in her case, 20 years. She's not going to be able to work for a living anymore. And that's not good. Your peak earning years are your 40s and your 50s, right? When you hit 60, people don't necessarily want to hire you because you're going to be a higher health care cost under the current health care situation we have now. Unless you're working for a big company. Big companies don't want, you know, there is age discrimination out there. So people get in their own way of saving is what I'm trying to get to. I've spent years and years listening to people on the opposite ends of wealth spectrum. People who have money and people who want it. I suggest people who want it to start wealth accumulating because I think it's a a percentages game. Letting go of your ego is an important thing when it comes to investment decisions. When I grew up, I liked Microsoft. I owned Microsoft. I still own some Microsoft. But when I I was growing up on computers, I was in, in awe of what Bill Gates was doing. Not Bill Gates. Yeah, Bill Gates, Microsoft. And I looked at Steve Jobs and like he's he's sell, he's creating really expensive machines that I can't really afford. I'm a college student. I can't afford a you know a three thousand dollar Mac that's going to be obsolete in two years. So HP, Compaq, Gateway, Dell, they got in the business of well we can sell you a computer, but it has Microsoft on it. And I'm like good enough. So you know. PCs were, what, half the cost, I would say, for the comparable power. And I was thriving power in my my computers. So I got over my ego, and I I actually said, you know what? Look at the gem. Look at everyone with with cell phones. Look at everyone with iPods. It's fascinating. iPod was once a big seller for Apple, and now their phone is eating it. I don't know anyone who buys an iPod anymore. Ego-driven money decisions prevent you from managing whatever money you do have in a prudent manner. I had to give up on the, like, my Apple's only for the elitist. Because in the end, I saw a company like Louis Vuitton, Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy. They're only for the elitist, and they're, they're doing quite well. Another thing that kills you when it comes to investing is, if you can put your ego aside, that's great. Is allowing your emotions to get in the way. Um, I see, I know one person who sold at late, late, late in the correction of 2008. He did get back in, but it was a panicked move. And I saw very clearly that he didn't know what he was doing. Number three on ways that we kind of kill ourselves with our investment decisions Number one is ego-driven. Number two is emotions, getting fearful or getting greedy. If you ever find yourself, like, you get a big you know, $15,000 IRS check, the government has wronged you in a good way. And you go, I'm going to go to the, the, the casino, or I'm going to go to the car dealership. Woohoo! $15,000 is not going to go very far to car dealership anymore, right? Because of inflation. That's the boogeyman. That's the bad word. But if you find yourself getting a chunk of change and wanting to spend it, you're not going to be a good investor. It's probably not going to work for you. Um, I embrace ignorance. I think it's good. I think sometimes you can overthink your decisions. 
Sometimes you can be too impatient, and sometimes you can be too fast. Uh, making any major purchase without spending some time to do your homework is ignorant. Simple solutions are usually the correct solutions. Seeking complicated solutions leads to chaos. I've seen, and I'm going to eat, for lack of a better word, the typical engineer, the typical attorney, or the typical you know, parent think that they're going to become awesome investors by embracing like some super whiz G-bang technology. It typically doesn't happen. So you got to cut fear and stress out. You got to embrace that you're not going to be able to figure everything out. You can't let your emotions get in the way, especially impulse, and kill your ego. I've made big mistakes investing. You will too. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. You know my least favorite holiday of the year? I know you're going to say, don't go there, don't go there. Valentine's Day. It's my... I know, I know, I know, I know. It's a holiday that... I guess you could probably say it's Christmas, but... Only because we've lost the true meaning of Christmas. And commercialized it. And Valentine's Day tells me that we've lost the true meaning of relationships. We've commercialized it. I've been suckered to it many times in my life. Now, it's that's where I tend to make my mistakes. Not on Wall Street with like no greed, no fear, no emotions. But in relationships, when I was a younger man, I, I was confused. And I wanted love. I wanted someone to love me. And... Sometimes I'd, I would, like, in my head, I'd be like, I want that girl. <laughs> Just to show you how bad I am at relationships. In eighth grade, and this is an embarrassing story. There's a girl named uh, Katie. And I had a crazy crush in eighth grade. Just, like, you know, thinking about it. Like, every other thought was her. She didn't even know my name. And then I kind of got in, you know, you start changing classes and, you know, she, oh, she's in two of my classes. Like, sweet. With science and history and kind of, you know, how grade schools are. And, uh, you know, we, we, we got to know each other. And at one point in time, I was, I was reading the paper because that's what we did back in those days and age. Like, you know, maybe the kids would grab the sports section. The dad would grab the business section, the world section, you know. And for some reason, I saw, and this is how obsessed I was with her. I saw her name as an obituary, but it wasn't her. So I, I cut it out. And I, I jokingly laughed at her. I was like, look what I saw in the paper the other day. Someone with your name died, and it's not you. <laughs> I thought the hilarity was going to follow. Oh, no. She's like, that's not funny. So with love, I truly make a lot of mistakes. I know a person who's uh, financially very, very, very smart. 
But in love, he's been through two not-so-pretty divorces. And it's kind of interesting because I know one financial planner in this industry who recently retired. And he's literally wanted to sell his company at one point in time because he's getting older. And there's a lot of assets in it. But he wanted a high paycheck because he was still paying off wives from alimonies and divorces. That's crazy. Four wives. And his current wife was like doing like African jewelry, which is fine. And I'm not being racist. I'm not saying anything crazy, but she would like help fund. She'd fly to Africa, not cheap. It's almost like just send a check next time and help a village like make. It was like a big money loser. So he, this guy was attracted to financial, like, costly relationships. And again, I've been there. So I'm trying to tell you to get out of the February 14th shebang. Go get some candles at the dollar store. Maybe a little massage oil. Get it a, a plumper chicken $5 thing at Costco. Don't spend a lot of money on flowers. Flowers die. Whoever got that in that racket, let's buy something for 40 or 50 or $60 in red roses that are gone in four or five days. That is like throwing money into a, a, an a oil drum and lighting it on fire. I know you, a lot of you are like, I bet your, your sugar booger's not listening right now. You're probably right. You get the idea. Um, right around the corner. Valentine's Day is like, okay, not just Valentine's Day, but all holidays are right around the corner. You know, uh, what is the statistic? There's more Irish people in New York than there are in Ireland. And you would think that St. Patty's Day is like an Irish holiday <laughs> or Cinco de Mayo. Like, do we always have a holiday right around the corner? President's Days, we've only monetized it into mattresses. Great day to buy a mattress, right? Not Black Friday. President's Day is the mattress day. So if you're feeling romantic, you can go get a copy of this clip from the podcast at iTunes. And uh, just play this clip for your sugar booker and say, look, I'm out. An improvised dinner at home for $25 is better than a dinner out for 200 And those prefix meals, they piss me off. When, you, when the restaurant knows they got you where they want you. And I get it. It's a busy night out. And the restaurants typically win, especially if it's like a Tuesday or Wednesday night, which are typically not big nights out. Um, one of my very first college girlfriends taught me that, that very expensive lesson as we were breaking up. I was panicked. I was like, I didn't want to be broken up with. You know, I was finishing college. I didn't know what my future was going to be. And uh, we went to New York City as like one last, you know, final hoorah. And it didn't work out. But uh, in the end, I, I kind of asked for a debrief. I was like, why didn't we work out? Because I, I kind of wanted to learn. And she said, all I wanted to do was sit on the couch and eat corn chips with you. And I didn't get it. So anyway, um, fixed price meals. Uh, romantic is not my middle name. Investor is. You should make homemade gifts. No, I don't want you to make homemade gifts. You should say something cozy and romantic. That's better. That's better. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Just try not... Watch what you're spending. 
And on flowers that die, I do not, no one will ever be able to explain that to me. I know there's probably a florist out there who's going, oh, stop it, Rob. Stop it. And I, I get fresh flowers. I do. But not for 60 bucks. So, I know you're saying, did you just imply you should pick roses out of Rob Black's garden? Maybe. I should sell them. Send my kids out, like, uh, dress them up as, like, really, really poor kids, like, from, like, Charles Dickens, like, 1800s, 1600s England. Hey, Governor, you want to buy some flowers? Anyhow, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Um, what do you want to talk about? The markets, are they, are you in, are you out? The coronavirus was an interesting um, economic lesson for a lot of people. And I guess that's how we should look at things. When the coronavirus comes around and does it ruin the world economies? What if the coronavirus hit? Let me show you a worst case scenario. Do you remember when we had the 2006 or was it 2008 Summer Olympics in China? I don't know what year it was. Uh, but if there was a, an Olympics going on in China, and they discovered it the week after the Olympics ended and everyone went back home, that might have been a bigger story. But we do have Olympics always coming up, and so we're kind of like, okay, we've got to start thinking about this stuff on how we could disrupt economies, right? So, good economic lesson. Getting through um, President Trump's surprise presidency back at, what was that, 2016? I'm trying to figure out my years right now. Yeah, 2016. I don't want to say anything wrong or edit myself incorrectly, but... um, the markets crashed that night as it started becoming clear. Markets in China and Japan and the United States opened with like down 600. I know financial planners that were in such a panic because they got fearful that the world wasn't going to like Trump, an inexperienced politician, that it wasn't going to jive. And uh, they panicked. Send out letters to clients like, you know, uh, the market's going to take some time to digest this and blah. Like, people do panic. They get emotional. So you have to go through, like, events. 9-11 is probably the most horrific one I can bring up, right? We got through it, and look how our economies have done since. Now, you could say that our economy has been in peril ever since 2000, 2001. Yeah, you could say it has been in peril, and I, I get it. Uh, because at that point in time, the Federal Reserve... Maybe that's not what you figured out came out of 9-11. We look to our bankers, not our politicians, to save our, our hide, financially speaking. And the Federal Reserve lowered interest rates. And you didn't know it, but it made it cheap for corporations to borrow money. It made it cheaper for governments to borrow money. It made it cheaper for individuals to borrow money. Keep in mind, our government usually just prints money. But you get the idea. Um, it helped drive... A very tired stock market, a uh, very tired uh, real estate market back to life. We started creating wealth, and we we're like, well, we could quantify how many people died in 9-11. We can, we'll, we'll put that back behind us. But when it happened, people were very fearful. And it was the bankers, in my opinion. But now the interesting part about it is I think we've become addicted. I've never done cocaine in my life. I have no interest in doing cocaine. Let's not even talk about anything else, like heroin. When you hear a rock star say, wow, Aaron makes you see God, you're like, I have no interest because 
I have an addictive personality. When I have one soda, I want two, another one, kind of like almost right after it. So you really got to get comfortable with who you are. And uh, I think we're addicted to, to low interest rates. And that's a problem that I don't see. We're boxing ourselves in. We're getting very addicted to that. It helps corporations. Tax reform does too. There's no doubt about it. I'm not saying anything's bad right now, but we are looking at the debt issues. and They're just not coming to fruition. Can't beat them, join them. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Take a break. Be right back. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I try to stop you from what I refer to as buyer's remorse. Sometimes it's instantaneously. I remember buying a car somewhere during college, I think. And uh, the moment I bought it, I was like, oh, buyer's remorse. You tend to get it with like the bigger ticket purchases in real time. But the smaller ones are the ones you sometimes regret. If I were to go back, for instance, you have a kid, and a kid's going to get you a lot of buyer's remorse in your life, because you're going to be like, I want that kid to have a better life than me. I'm buying him a jumpy house. So you buy your kid a jumpy house, and you do the reviews, and you're like, okay, well, the jumpy house, you just you cost, how much does it cost? Are they safe? You can't have children and not worry about their safety in said jumpy house can't have jumpy house flying off in the air and you and then your kid gets in it and he loves it and then you have to pack it up and put it away and when do you bring it back out where do you store it suddenly have a garage of jumpy houses a lot of buyer's remorse in my garage lots lots of buyer's remorse to that point um i tend to make good financial decisions when i buy expensive things but i do buyer's remorse is an issue and you tend to have buyer's remorse very, very slowly. For instance, many, many, many years ago, I bought Sonus stereos for my home. So, Sonus stereo speakers. Great speakers, incredibly wireless. They kind of got that whole thing going before other people did. But now I want to simplify and just go with Apple Air, HomePods. Or, I don't really want three or four different systems. I want that one system to unite them all. Then I saw Sonus in 2019 send out an email at the end of the year that said, we're no longer going to update our old products. And people must have blown up on them. Because wireless standards and settings need to be updated through apps on occasion. And they said, we're no longer going to update the old ones. We want you to buy the new ones and we'll give you 30% off on any of the old ones you want to sell back to us if you buy new ones. And suddenly I felt like I was being tricked. I had buyer's remorse. I thought these were speakers for life. I thought these were speakers that I could put in my, my casket with me. They were expensive. They were an arm and a leg and a pinky. One arm, one leg, one pinky. It was pricey. So how much stuff do you have buyer's regret over? Remember how I started in, how I said Valentine's Day? How about every Valentine's date that didn't marry me? I know, I know, I know. I've got an unhealthy, I had an unhealthy relationship with with money and love 
the buyer's remorse. One in three Americans, 91 million Americans, say they're afraid they're going to max out their credit card when making a large purchase. Large purchase is technically defined very loosely. So it's not very technical, is it? $100? When you first get into a relationship where you're spending each other's money, I say you should talk to each other before you spend $300 on anything. You need a $100 outfit, fine. You need a $300 outfit, you should talk to each other. You need a $100 video game, fine. You need a $500 Xbox, you need to talk to each other. A healthy amount of fear of fear in your credit card is, is actually pretty good. More than one-third, 37%, have said that they've already maxed out their credit card. And 14% have said they've maxed out more than once. Um, I've been there. I, I'm trying to think of when, and I, I don't. I, I know that I maxed out one card, but I, I was younger. So it was like a $2,000 card that I did max out at 2000 And there wasn't any more pizza or love or romance that I could put on that credit card. Most Americans continue to take on ever-increasing amounts of debt. If the credit card's maxed, they open another credit card if they can. Sometimes people take out home equity lines of credit. I find it, we're addicted to credit. We're addicted to low-interest rate credit. I keep coming back to that circle. The United States surpassed $1 trillion in credit card debt. And we continue to take it on. Households with revolving credit typically owe about $7,000. $7,000 on a credit card costs you about $1,100 of interest payments. So you just paid for something for $7,000. Maybe it's flowers that died. Maybe it's a video game system that aged out. And you have to pay another $1,100 in interest on it. So be reasonable with your relationship with credit. And I say that intelligently. It's a relationship with credit. It's a lot, a lot like your money relationship with your spouse. And on like Valentine's Day, don't spend too much money. And again, from the, you know, Judy, girl, my college girlfriend, she said it best. When she goes, I just wanted to sit on the couch and like, we make this way too difficult. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. You can always drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Got a lot of good downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Um, when you get fearful, you have to like have some basic understanding of math and finance. It's something that I, I don't understand that we don't have a better grasp of. When I tell you the markets, if you take a look at a stock market chart, it could be the NASDAQ, it could be... Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial 30. It could be the Dow Transports chart. It could be the S&P 500, the S&P 400. When you take a look at those charts that are 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you see that it always moves up. And yes, you can see like a recession in it, but you can see it recovers. Getting comfortable with a basic little bit of financial knowledge like that goes a long way. Will the system always work? It has so far. Is that good enough to invest in? No. But you shouldn't ignore it either. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.